that you probably have seen before, maybe one or two that you haven't. If you have never seen this before, and it's the first time you're seeing this, it's going to open up a whole new world to you, and you're going to be like, whoa, I can never unsee these things. Now, some of these are plainly obvious. They're old school. You've seen them before. So the first thing I want to see is what do you see when I throw this up there? The arrow. Good, good, good. The tablespoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That too. Yeah, so hopefully, though, now the, the arrow. You're meant to see the arrow. If you didn't see the arrow, it's between the E and the X in orange. And every time you see a truck or a package with FedEx, you're going to see it, and you can't unsee it. And some of you guys, it's like, whoa. Like, you, you're, okay, good stuff. Let's go to the next one. The next one. Okay, Amazon, A to Z, because they have everything in between A to Z. Yeah. What? You didn't know that? I'm not going to point anybody out, but if you didn't know that, it's okay. You can pick your job off the floor. You, welcome to the club. Now you know. All right? Knowledge is power. Next one. Tostitos. They're sharing a chip with a bowl of salsa. Part of this is so entertaining to see your faces. Some of you have the best. Some of you are great. Bryson, do you want to put your glasses on? You got it? You see it? Okay, you're good. Okay. He was squinting. Like, I don't see. Ah. No. Two, two people. They're sharing a Tostitos chip. They're dipping in a bowl of salsa. That's the circle over the eye. There you go. You got that. Okay. Next. Toblerone. The bear. It's a bear. The bear is in the mountain. In the negative white space of the yellow mountain, do you see the bear? Yeah. You see it? Yeah. It's not a wolf. Yeah, it, it's, it's a wolf. By the way, we don't farm animal wolves where I'm from. They are not a farm animal, just so you know. That's a chocolate, if you didn't know. So that's, that's Toblerone. Okay, now here's the next one. Before we show it, um, I, I don't know if I had seen this on any websites. I noticed it a while ago, and I thought I was like, oh, shoot, I, I discovered one. I'm sure I'm not the first person, but I just want, I'm going to just throw it up there and see if you know what this one has hidden in it. You guys know? You guys know? Okay, hold on, hold on. A lot of you guys are kind of silent. Do you see it? Yes! At the bottom of his toga is an L and a C for Little Caesars. That is not just random Roman designs. Little C now, now you are all initiated. You're all in the club. Now you see it. Little Caesars, pizza, pizza. There you go. So why in the world? Now that you see it, it's like you can't unsee it, right? It's like it's, it's going to be news every time, every time. The LC down at the bottom of his toga, do you see the L and then the, lo the little C? Little Caesars, little Caesars. If you still don't see it, Google image it later. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to mess with some of you guys for a while. You're not looking at it. It's the angle, the angle you're at. Okay, so so why in the world, why in the world do I show you these things? Because once you saw those, you can't unsee those, right? And in, in this passage, I think it's really interesting. It starts off with the word see, like see something, understand it, you visualize it. And, and this is really hard for us to do because here's the thing. One of the most challenging things about following Christ for you, especially in this day and age, is what? is that you have to place your faith in a person that you've never physically seen. 
You've never seen Christ. You've never seen Jesus. He walked on the earth, but you, with your eyes, have never seen him. Now, when John writes this letter, it, it could be kind of easy, and you could actually, I wouldn't fault you if you were like, well, easy for you to say, man. You walked right next to him. You were there the day that he was crucified. You were there the day that the tomb was empty. You ran and saw that the linens on, inside the tomb were folded nicely after he had risen. I wouldn't fault you for that if you said, easy for John to say. In fact, in the beginning of this letter, I'm going to take you back. You don't have to flip there. But at the beginning of this letter, he said this at the very outset in chapter 1. This is what we heard from the beginning, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. This word was made manifest, and we have seen it. John saw Jesus with his own eyes. He writes this letter to some people who may have seen Jesus or known about Jesus when he was walking on earth. But for a lot of people who are receiving this letter, this letter was written approximately 60 some odd years after Jesus was killed and after Jesus was risen and after Jesus left the earth and returned to heaven. About 60 years later, there are definitely people reading this letter who would not have seen Jesus with their own eyes. So they are relying on the accounts of people like John. Just as we are. We're relying on the accounts of people like John who wrote this down for us thousands of years later. But this whole passage hinges on whether or not you believe in something you do not see with your own physical eyes. Starts out with this word see. Verse 1 of chapter 3. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. That we should be called children of God and so we are. So the first thing he says is see what kind of love the Father's given to you. If you don't know that God is love, here's how you will know. Here's how you are to understand that God is love and that he loves you. No matter what you have done up to this point in your life and no matter what you will do beyond this point in your life. Here's how you know. Because he sent his son. He gave him to us. He's given to us. So that, in order that, Jesus was given so that you and I could be called children of God. And therefore, if we are in Christ, we are children of God. We are with him. He is our father, our spiritual father. You have all the rights and privileges to what Jesus ascribes as God's son. You are an heir to the throne of grace where God is seated. You are a child of God. For that reason, the world does not know you if you are a child of God. And the reason it doesn't know you is because it did not know him. That's the end of verse 1. Now, as a believer, if you find yourself struggling against people of this world, things of this world, it is not because of something that is innately wrong with you. It's not that you are broken. It's not that you are just a difficult person. It's not that you're unlovable. The reason why you find it difficult as a believer to get along in this world is primarily, solely because the world does not know God, does not know Christ, and if you are in Christ, you belong to him. So if it doesn't know him, it doesn't know you. And that can bring some difficulty. The world doesn't know him, so it doesn't know you if you're in Christ. Now, that, that might be discouraging for some of you, but for, for a lot of us, <clears throat> that's actually good news. That's encouraging. That is a small sacrifice to pay to be counted as one of God's children. Because as God's child, you are allowed to access everything that is his. That's the beauty of it. Verse 2 talks about this. It's not just a forward-thinking thing, <clears throat> thinking about eternity or thinking about what's going to happen in the future. 
John says it this in verse 2. Beloved, dearly loved ones, we are God's children right now. Not tomorrow, not when you pass away and then you enter into heaven to finally be with Jesus on the streets of gold. You are God's child right this very moment if you are in Christ. Let that sink in for a second. You are seen as his son or his daughter this very moment. If Christ is your savior, you are his son or his daughter. Now that's really important. Because you haven't seen him. It says that in the very next verse, right? Beloved, we are God's children now. What we will be has not yet appeared. So we're going to be something different in eternity. We're going to be glorified. We're going to be transformed into something better, perfected bodies to be like him. That has not yet appeared yet. But we know that when he does appear, when we finally see him, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he truly is. So, so we are God's children right now, but there's even more to come. This isn't it. There's more to come. Some of you guys need to hear that. Like, the world that you live in right now, this isn't it. There's more to come. Some of you need to hear that right now you are God's child. And yes, there is more to come, but, but for tonight, for today, you are his child. I, I was thinking about this. Um, I had a lot of time in the car today. I was driving um, back here. And so I had some time in the car to think about this a lot. And I thought about what really draws me into knowing that I am God's child now. Like, what, what, what is it? And I was thinking about this. What are some of the, my favorite things that Jesus says in Scripture? Like, if you go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, or other parts of the Bible where if your Bible does red letters, you know, Jesus is speaking. What are some of my favorite sayings about that Jesus said? What, what means the most to me and why? Because those are such things. Like, I, I've never seen him, but I hear from him. You know, I've never seen it with my own eyes, but, but I know him because I hear from him in his word. So that's the important thing. That's the lifeline I have to my connection to Jesus. If I can't see him, I got to hear from him and I got to know his word. And so, so I just picked out two. But, but before I do my two, I'm going to flip to mine really quickly. I'm curious, and you don't have to have the passage and the reference right off the top of your head. Even if you kind of, you know, in your own words, kind of get it out, paraphrasing it, so to speak. Does anybody have like one phrase or a quote? From Jesus himself, from scripture, that you go, man, like that means so much to me. Do you have any anyone that just stands out to you off the top of your head? Again, Jesus, Jesus speak, like red letter stuff in the Bible. Yes, Miss Lindsay. It is finished. Yeah, that, that's a perfect one. Yeah. On the cross, Jesus said, it is finished, meaning that the work is done, everything is atoned for, your sin is paid for, it is finished. That is a complete and utter ending to everything, and there's no reason to worry. That's great. Anybody else? Uh, one, one thing that Jesus has said that you can hang your hat on and you get encouragement from. Jason. Forgive them because they don't know what they do. Yeah. And, and wow, what a statement, right, that he is hanging on the cross innocent while all the guilty, his own creation, spit on him, mock him, and crucify him. And he's taking on the sins of the world, and he says, forgive them, and he doesn't know what they're doing. That's powerful, right? Anybody else? Anybody else have one? Yeah. That's awesome. Now, so why is that one so important to you?
Riley, go ahead. That's cool. That's awesome. I think it's neat. And in my, if I were to, I'd rarely ever do this. But if I were to give you homework as you leave here tonight, maybe with a friend that you came with or, or even in the car on the ride home with your parents or something, or maybe just when you get home, if you haven't ever thought about what is something really sweet to my heart that Jesus has said, red letters in the Bible that you would say are some of your favorite, go look them up. Go find something. Or, or share one with somebody who you came with tonight. I'll, I'll share two with you that I love. And the, these, again, the reason I do this is because I can't see him, so i got to hear from him. This is what I, I love. In John chapter 6, he says this. This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. I love that. I love that he says, I will not lose anyone who has been given to me, but I will raise it up on the last day. That's so comforting to me. In days where I feel like, man, is this, is this even going to work out, or am I so far away from the will of God? He says, no, 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 you're right where I want you. You're in the palm of my hand. Those who I have, I will lose nothing of them. Um, another one that I, I have is in, a lot of them are in John, but uh, in Matthew, this is one that's been so so precious to me over the last couple of, of months, really, as I've really sunk into this verse. Matthew chapter 11, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Um, the fact that Jesus invites you, I've probably mentioned this before, but I just, I just can't get over the fact that he wants to invite me, he wants to invite you to come to him. Like he doesn't push you away, he wants you to come to him. It's an invitation um, there's something really special. Like you all know when you get invited to a party, it just something, it, it stokes something in you, right? Like, ooh, wow, like you thought enough of me to invite me to something. You also know the flip side of that when you're rejected or you extend an invitation and you reject it, you know how that feels. And, and the fact that Jesus says, come to me, is so precious. And then he says that I'm gentle and lowly in heart. I, I, I think that really captures who Jesus is in, in one statement for me. Um, but again, like for you, what is it? What is it that Jesus has said that really means so much to you and is precious to you? I think that will help you see him even though with your eyes you never have. What has he said to you? What has he actually spoken? Because that's how we know that God loves us. Back to verse 1. Without knowing Christ, without seeing Jesus, you can't see the love of God the Father. You can't know God, you can't see God without knowing Jesus. That's the access point. Like he said, John 14, 6, right? He is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only way to know God and experience God. So you have to know him. And if you want to know that God is love, it's only because Jesus came and lived and died and rose again for us. Here's the last, the last verse. As it says here, when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Okay, so one of my, like, one of my 
biggest things in life, and I've shared this story so many times, and Morgan's in here, she's probably tired of hearing the story, but one of my biggest things in my life is having an eternal focus. I, I think if you can have an eternal focus, everything else in your life sets into motion, you see God clearly, you understand your life clearly, you make choices differently, because you're living for eternity, you're not living for this life, okay? And the one in eternity is the one that matters. And this verse is so important, because this verse literally tells you that if you can start thinking heavenly, then you'll live holy. If you can think about heavenly things, you'll live a holy life. It, it, it says it right here, that if you think about the day that he appears, the day that you'll stand face to face with him in eternity, that you'll be like him, you'll see him as he is, everyone who puts their hope in that thing, that very event that's going to happen in the future, he purifies himself as Christ himself is pure. There's something about thinking for eternity that drives you to live more like Jesus now. Like you've ever heard the saying, which I, I totally disagree with. Don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. I don't know, that's an old church saying. Maybe nobody says that anymore. Nobody probably tweets that. Nobody puts that on Instagram. Maybe they do. But if they don't, it's fine. But I totally disagree with that statement. I would love to be so heavenly minded because I think the more heavenly minded I am, the more earthly good I will do. Like if I actually fix my eyes on eternity, I will be so much better of a person, of a father, of a pastor, of, of, of a husband. I mean, everything about me will be better if I'm focused on eternity. Because I'm living for that, not for this. So, so here's the story that I've used so many times. But this is not my proudest moment as, as a husband. But man, Morgan and I were driving one day. And she was missing her friend who lives on the other side of the country in California. Who she doesn't see, you know, every, but every so often when they make a trip to the East Coast. Because we don't go over to the West Coast because it's really expensive for us. Her dad's a pilot, so sometimes they get over cheaper to the uh, East Coast from the West Coast. Long story, there you go, you got it. Okay, so she's really missing her friend. And so her friend's a believer, and I did the very noble, godly thing of telling her, hey, it's okay to miss her. Really, it's okay. You know why? We got all eternity to do together in heaven. Like, it's going to be so great. Like, why, do we, why are we worried about right now? It's going to be fine. Like, you have such a long time to spend together in eternity. Isn't it the beauty of heaven that we're going to get to spend eternity together with friends like her and with Christ and in the presence without sin? It's going to be amazing, right? It's not what she wanted to hear. She misses her friend. All I had to say as the smart, and this is, guys, this is where our brains sometimes, we, we, we got to dial in a little bit. But this is all, oh, man, I'm so sorry. That's tough. Like, it is hard. It's hard that your friend is three time zones away. It, it is hard. I'm sorry. Not, it's going to be better in eternity. Hang in there. You just wait because you're going to have eternity with her. It's going to be better. That's, that wasn't the answer she was looking for. It might be the right answer. It's not the answer she was looking for. There's a difference, okay? There's a difference. I've learned that in my years of being a married person. So there you go. Free advice. Okay. But, but there is something about this, that if you are heavenly minded, you will purify yourself. I think part of that goes back to what we said last week, that you understand that there is a time that Jesus will return, and when he returns, you don't want to have this shame. Not to say that you're going to lose your salvation, not that you're going to say that Jesus is going to come and go, oh, what do I find you doing here? I came back, and ah, you're up to no good again. Aha! That's not, that's not what I'm saying. But, but you understand living your life with this this hidden shame, knowing like, ah, I know there's some stuff in my life that I, I won't surrender to Christ. I keep trying to tuck it away. I hide it from everybody else, but I know that he sees it. And when he returns, I just don't, I don't want that to still be weighing me down. I don't want that shame. I want to let that go. There is something purifying when you are thinking about eternity. 
think a heavenly mindset leads to holiness. And, and the more that you can see what Christ has done to purchase you as a child, to adopt you, you were once orphaned and now you are his child, the more that you can see there, the more that you understand, man, how much he has given you and it drives you to be more like Christ. That's what holiness is. It's not a bunch of rules like, hey, I want you to stop doing this and stop doing this. It's just to be more like Jesus. That's what holiness is. And to be more like him means I want to treat people like he treated them. I want to think about others like he thought about them. I want to think about the world the way that he thought about it. I want to see the stuff that God has made the way that Jesus saw it and not put it on top of God, but rather thank God as the giver for the gift and not explain that the gift is so much greater than the giver. I don't want to do that. I want to be like Christ in everything that I'm doing. That's what it looks like to purify myself and be holy like him. Now, last week, I'm going to finish with this. Last week, I said that if you're, if you're interested in something that's kind of fun, if you, as we get into 1 John chapter 3, you can read John chapter 3, and you can see a lot of parallels. Here's one that I think is really interesting. You can look at two, actually. Number one, you can look at when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. Remember, we talked about this on Sunday in Sunday school as well. He says, do not, be, do not marvel, I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, you hear it sound, you do not where it goes. So it is everyone who is born with the Holy Spirit. He talks about this, that you cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you are born of the Spirit. That's what it means to be a child of God. But here's the other one. At the end of chapter 3, and I'm just flying through this really quickly because I know we're almost out of time. But hear this because this connects perfectly with being a child of God. In John chapter 3, verse 34, sorry, 35, he says this. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Now, why, why those two verses? How does that connect with 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3? Here's what he says. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. The Father loves the Son. Do you ever think about how God views Jesus? You get some glimpses into it few times like when jesus is baptized and the the heavens open and a voice booms audibly for people to hear god the father say this is my beloved son with whom i am well pleased you understand like this is how god sees jesus full unrelenting perfect always forever love totally happy with who jesus is always because he is his son the Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Now, connect that to 1 John chapter 3 for a second. Beloved, you are children of God right now. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Beloved, you in Christ are God's children right now. The same love that God has for Christ same love he has for you when you place your faith in Christ. Flip side, verse 36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see this life. Instead, the wrath of God remains on him. There is a difference between a son and one who is not a son of God, a child of God. The wrath of God remains on that person. That's what it is like to be orphaned. You literally are cast out and alone, and the wrath.
wrath of God remains on you if you are apart from him. In Christ, child of God. In Christ, Father loves the Son, his children, and has given all things to their hands. Now, don't take that verse to go all prosperity crazy on me. If you don't get all things in your hands, what it does mean, though, is that everything that Jesus owns, he allows you to partake in. You'll see that in eternity. It's going to be beautiful. That's a heavenly mindset that will lead you to be more like him. Beloved, you are his children right now if you are in Christ. If you are not, as an orphan, the wrath of God remains on you. The good news is that God showed his love and demonstrated his love because while you were still a sinner, he sent Christ to die for you so that you could be a child of God. You don't have to remain that way. He wants to adopt you into his family. You don't have to stay there. If you're already there, what a beautiful thing to know that you are his son, you are his daughter, you're tainting his love for you because of Christ. All right, let's pray. Lord, just thank you for these uh, students. I thank you for the life that you have given them, the life that they are allowed to live and and to lead. And God, I just pray that you would encourage them. Lord, I pray for those who are, are struggling right now as your children to understand that they are yours right now, that there is nothing that can be done to shake or remove that. Though they may not see you, they can hear from you. So God, I pray that that would draw them into your words. They would listen to your words. They would listen to what you say in your words as you speaking directly to them as your children. And so, God, I just pray they'd be encouraged. Or for any of those who are not yours, who don't belong to you, have not placed their faith in you, God, I pray that the reality of being orphaned, the reality of being under the wrath of God for our sin would weigh so heavy on their heart that they cry out to you, that they desire to be with you. So, Lord, help each of us, wherever we are, to have an eternal mindset, to see that eternity is what matters. That things of this world are short, they're temporary, they're going to fade, but eternity matters. God, help us to see that. Help us to understand it so it may drive us to be more like you, be more holy in our lives. So, God, we lift these things up to you. Thank you again for Christ. Thank you again for sending him because it is a demonstration of your love for us so that we could see the heart of God. We could see it walking amongst us, hear from you, understand you better. So, God, we thank you for doing what only you could do and what was necessary to save us. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Hey, as you leave, you may notice there are leftover cups.